You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm. Hey, what's up? This is Chadis from Hell Yeah and Mudvayne. This is Ron Bumblefoot Fall. Hey, this is Barbara Wild. And this is Daniela Clark. This is Johnny from Art of Dying. Hey, this is Mixie from Stitched Up Heart. Hey, this is Nick Reese from Joyous Bowl. Hey, this is Josh from Badflower. Welcome aboard the shit making way. Fuck! Hey, this is Ralph Sutton. This is Aaron Jones. What's going on, gang? Zach Wild here. And you're listening to Making Waves, the Shipwrecked Podcast. Making Waves. Welcome to Making Waves. This is episode 61. Thank you for joining us here at the Shiprock Podcast. We are part of the Sound Talent Media family, the fastest growing rock podcast in the world. And our community is now larger and stronger than ever. So please, if you guys are a fan, please go ahead and uh, remember to review, rate, subscribe, and share this with your friends. Anyway, tonight is a very special guest joining the show, guitarist extraordinaire, highly prolific. Uh, a lot of folks know him from being the guitarist uh, with Rob Zombie, but he has so much more on his plate other than that. Please welcome John Five. John, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, how are you? Thanks for uh, having me. I brought my Dramamine because... Uh, <laughs> Right. I, I I I get seasick like you have no idea. Absolutely, thinking absolutely. It, just thinking about it. Just, yeah, he's got his wristbands on and everything. Yeah, I love it. Oh, so yeah. I guess I, we could start, John, by just basically asking the question that you ask in your latest single, which is "K Pasa." Yes, K Pasa. What is going on in the world? We want to get to obviously to that song, the video uh, that's directed actually by friends of ours, Mike and uh, Chantel Savage. And yes. uh, yeah, you've been working with them for a while. They always, we always, they always have such great stories about working with you. So a really nice little uh, bow tie on this thing, but uh, love to hear about the song, uh, how you chose Dave uh, Mustaine to, to kind of join in with you. Um, yeah. Can you give us the, is the insight on that? Yeah. What's up? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> what's up? What's happening? See, there you go. Um, I, my producer, Barry Pointer, we were working together and this is actually the first song we did for the new record, Sinner. And um, we were like, oh, you know, this is really good. It's coming together. It's like groovy and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, we had a James Brown sample in there and it's going, K Pasta, beep, K Pasta. And he's talking to the crowd or something. We just like to throw in these like vocal hooks and it really sucked and it was like really great. And the record company was like, well, you obviously can't have that. So, uh, you know, what do you want to, who would you, who would you want to have in there? And it's kind of an aggressive part. And I said, oh, it's got to be Dave Mustaine. You know, it's got to be Dave Mustaine. And I did my six degrees of separation and, you know, called who I knew. And, you know, I know Dave a little bit was saying hello and in passing and on tour and things like that. And luckily it worked out amazing. You know, it worked out just great. And he loved the song and he delivered like, I mean, I love telling the story, but he, he 
was sounded better than James Brown. And it, it just took him a couple tries and it, he just nailed it. It was perfect. Yeah, he's got that snarl that we'd hear on sweating bullets or something of that nature. Oh God, it's so good, you know, and it's just it just was perfect because you can always kind of picture it in your head and mm -hmm. it was just perfect, you know. And um it just came together great. And then we were ready to shoot the video and and Mike Savage and Chantel went out there to Nashville and shot his part and we made a great video. And so people love it. I can't believe it. You know, it's like, I'm so happy and so thankful because, you know, I'm honest with myself. It's a hard sell to instrumental, you know, and it's, it's, yeah. um, but people just really love it and they come to the shows and they're, you know, I just couldn't be happier because it's, I just, did this for the love of guitar and love of making music. And when it's something so pure like that and something so honest like that and it, and it works and people love it, it really means the world, you know? Yeah. Now you mentioned center that album is coming out uh, October 29th, just in time for Halloween, which is very fitting. And with yes. the kind of the ethos of the John five <laughs> name, um, and you mentioned this is a solo album. This year, what are you? What are you at? Like number fourteen on your solo records at this point? I don't even know. I don't even know. I just keep <laughs> making music and keep playing and picking, and you know, I'm just so fortunate and so lucky to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, like even with this pandemic and everything like that, you really, you know, think about wow, you know, so lucky and so fortunate. And I just tried to make uh, lemonade out of lemons, you know, and made a record. And I was tried to stay as creative as possible. And that's what I did. And I worked really hard. Me and Barry worked really, really hard on the record. And we kind of, I rehearsed it so much and I played it so much and I played it all live, you know, like I didn't want to punch in. So I would just take full takes. And that I just, it was like, a, I was like a, fighter like training for something or any kind of like any kind of training and that's what I did because I had so much time on my hands and I was listening to this station called 40s Junction on Sirius XM and I'm listening and going well I know how studios work and all these songs on the station were all done live they're all live. It's just a couple mics in the studio and there's the whole orchestra and the singers, everything's done live. And I was like, uh, that's how I want to do this record because, you know, <clears throat> I had time and it's easy just to go, okay, all right, let's punch that in and do this here and blah, blah, blah. But we just did it all as a performance, you know, and it was, uh, it was really wonderful. It was a lot of work, but I'm super happy we did it. You can take you the boy out of Detroit, but you can't take the Detroit out of the boy. That's the Motown shit right there, man. The whole time you were saying that, I was like, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. I just kept thinking about um, the video game Super Mario Brothers and like the idea of like, if you got to Bowser or whatever it would be. And like, instead of just having to go back at the start of the dungeon, you know, when you're recording your, your guitar parts, that dungeon level and just going right back to, to, uh, to the first level and doing it all over again. And that's just the ethos that you have inside you. That's crazy, man. Cool to hear yeah, too. It's a lot of, it was a lot of work and a lot of fun, but you know, we had so much time, especially being in LA, you couldn't even look out the window. 
you know, oh, it's not safe to look out the window, you know, it's like, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, uh, I just had a lot of time on my hands and instead of going crazy, I just, that's what I did. So you so started John, in oh. the, sorry, Justin, you started re- writing and recording inside of this pandemic or were you st- kind of had a, your toes in the water before it all happened? Um, writing and recording. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, you got the, you win. You got the, you're the boy with the biggest cake. (laughs) It's either that or, you know, write and record a record or, you know, stand on the corner and yell at traffic. So also a great time. Yeah. John, you mentioned, uh, you know, people are are like really digging what you're doing live when you're playing. What, what do you usually see as far as who's built into your audience? I mean, obviously you're going to have people who are fans of the, of the, the the work you do with your bands you play in, but just as far as your solo work, do you see a lot of people that you'd probably see at a Satriani or Steve Vai or Eric Johnson gig is, is that kind of your fan build up too for your instrumental shows? You know, that's, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that because it's so diverse, just like the music. So, it's, it's, it's so cool. And I talk about this on stage. I rarely talk on stage, but when I see a crowd, like when it's an all ages crowd, I'll see like, you know, old pickers, like bluegrass pickers and country guys. And then I'll see zombie fans and I'll see, you know, the shredder guys. And then I'll see little kids, like little kids. And I'm telling you, Justin, it's, makes me so happy. Like I'll see them like going like this and like having so much fun. They have my mask on or something. And that just does it for me. I'm just so happy with that. And so excited. And I mean, if I can inspire, cause inspiration, I mean, it's the same thing that happened with me. It inspired me and I'm still doing it. And I think inspiration is one of the most important things you can have. And it's just absolutely wonderful. One of the things you just mentioned, which struck me funny, is obviously everyone kind of knows you're you're somewhat of a kind of massive Kiss fan, and uh, the fact that you said you said you look out there and you see a kid wearing your mask and just strumming along, and who wasn't doing that when they went to see Kiss for the first time live, right? You're ten, Absolutely. eleven years old, you're going, you know, you maybe you painted your face with Ace or whatever, and you're just doing that. So again, that comes back to the things that you were raised on and what inspired you. Now you're doing the same thing to kids. That must kind of awe-inspiring to see that happening it's so important to me and it makes me so happy to see that it just is uh it's so hard to describe it's just unbelievable yeah i think that kicks in the face and when they talk about rock is dead i'm like you know what no what you just described shows that it's not it's actually growing again it's always recycling but if you go in any guitar center or sam ash you always see some kids sit on amp just doodling around or waiting in line for his lessons. It's very, it's very inspiring just to know that it's not fading away. These kids aren't just turning the turntables or whatever. They're actually getting in there and they're trying to woodshed. Yeah. And it's so important to, it's so <laughs> imperative just to, for people to keep picking, keep pounding on those dr- drums, keep thumping that bass. You know, it's so important because it's up to, it's up to you. It's up to, you know, the person watching this, the person listening to this, you know, if it's not going to be you, it's going to be someone else. So why not you? Yeah. Uh, so with your, you have children, right? Um, yes. Yeah. Do, do they, are they musical or do they? I think they see, 
how hard I work. I mean, I always have a guitar. Look, I have a guitar with me right now. I always (laughs) have a guitar with me. And I think they see how much, how hard I work at it. But to me, it's not work, you know, but they're like, "Mm, no, I'm, I'm going to stay away from that. You know, (laughs) no, none of them, they all stayed away from it. That, that's crazy. Uh, I was just thinking when you're telling the story of seeing the kids in the, in the audience or whatever. And I was just thinking, well, what, what does his kids think when like, if they go to shows and, and like, they're seeing this, this dad, you know, yeah. there's dad. And then there's uh, like monster dad, big, massive, bigger than the world dad, you know, like yeah. how do you come back to reality as like a family man in that moment? If you don't mind me asking, I just, it kind of blew yeah. my mind to really put it in perspective. Absolutely. They don't really, I wish they were more into it, you know, like, like my son was like really into Slipknot and I'm like, Oh, well, let me take you to Slipknot. Let me bring you backstage and have you talk to Corey and Jim and Mick and everybody, you know? And, and, and then my daughter was like, you know, into Avril Lavigne. I was like, Oh, well, let me have you go meet Avril, you know, but they weren't like, you know, if my dad took me to go meet, you know, Ace Freely back in 1978, I would have like, I would have done anything for that. But they were like, oh, this is so fun. You know, it's not like crazy for them, you know, but for me, it's just like insane. Yeah. Do, do you think actually, a lot of this? Actually, you know what? Me slipknot? <laughs> actually, you know what? I'm going to go into the other room because my wife is so loud her voice is so fucking loud and they go into the other i hope this is out of earshot yeah hold on hold on sorry because they're like yapping in there all that stuff so, john okay. has just walked a quarter mile in his house so <laughs> when, right when i think no, about I mean, I, I, I make sure yeah, that yeah. Okay. I thought you were gonna be like, let's go, let's go visit her right now and well, just sit next well, now, to her. <laughs> now, now, basically, every question I have is about everything you have on your walls, but that's for another time. Oh my god! I hope, <laughs> oh yeah, well, some of our audience will see. Oh my god, yeah, it's like it's literally like a, it's not. It's hard to not pay attention to it, but I, I have to ask yeah. you this question. You started speaking of your with your kids, and if, are they musical? How did you? I mean, I heard that you took lessons from Robert Galebs here in Detroit as a yeah. kid. Is yes, that that's true because he was I, giving lessons or did, did you, how did that happen at that time? Because he was giving lessons. I started with Chuck Miller at Fiddler's no on Mac Avenue and I was seven years old and I, I was, and these stairs that went up to um, where they would give lessons. It was this creaky, like, you know, it was the seventies. It was this creaky, like, like, you know, where you see it in like cartoons where someone like walks and all the stairs come down. It was like that. So I was so young. I couldn't even carry cause there was no rail. So I would have to walk like, like this on my hands and like up the stairs, like a, like a little kid. Cause I was so little and my mom would have to carry the um, guitar case up for me. And, um, and I was so young, but I just loved it. I never put the guitar down and I just learned everything I could. I went to my lessons. If I could have gone five times a week, I would have, you know, and I never missed a lesson or anything like that. Even when I was sick or anything like that, I just always went. 
wild. You know, yeah. so obviously your parents it enabled your. Uh, Sorry, that's my 1977. Uh, that's the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> please, please, tell me it's a, please tell me it's an avocado green dial, rotary dial with a like extension cord you can take down the street. Jeez. <gasps> Whoa. Oh my God, dude. Are you serious? Is that, <laughs> I, no, I'm so, this you, is crazy. Can you believe that? Can, can you see that with the light? Hold on. Let me turn this light. I, <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> Justin, that is. Dude, I grew up in the same period as John, man. I know those fucking phones, dude. You called the color, dude. Yeah, the avocado green, man. Avocado <laughs> green, baby. And that, gee, that cord seriously could go for at least 100 yards. Oh, yeah. You stretch yeah. it. and Yeah, of course. Perfectly normal to run it down the hallway from the kitchen into your room where your parents could hear you talk to someone. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> and it never stopped working. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So it's literally the same parents, one. <laughs> and you were going at seven years old. Obviously, you grew up. Did you grow up in a musical, a musical household? Your parents had a lot of records and all that other stuff? I had older sisters and... You know, they all they did was have vinyl and played their records. And I remember my sisters going to a lot of concerts. And I remember vividly, vividly, um, Jethro Tull, they went to go see. They would go see Vanilla Fudge, uh, Rolling Stones. They would always go to these concerts. And um, my mom went to see Elvis and Frank Sinatra, because we all had these, they would always buy tour booklets. And, uh, but there was always music playing, but no one was really musical. I was the only one that really went crazy with it. Mm -hmm. It's funny you mentioned uh, this tour programs. This, they still make tour programs for some shows? I, I, that just I, be such I a make thing. them. I make, you make them. them. Because okay. I, I just thought, I loved them so much, and I was like, we're going to make these and they sell crazy. Yeah. They sell like crazy and I'll sign them and stuff like that. I just thought tour programs were so much fun. Yeah. I wish I would have pulled it out. I, I have one of yours. <laughs> oh yeah. Say. They're <laughs> cool. They're yeah, cool. they are. Yeah. I always get one for my dad if, if, too, like, it, cause he has a bunch of them, you know, uh, from when we were, he would take me to shows and whatnot. And that's yeah. so I always get one too for him. Um, Sorry, that was cool. It's no, too I bad just remember, that they don't make them. I know. Yeah, I remember the one that really stuck in my mind was the Kiss 76 Destroyer one where the stage is all full of smoke and it's just the logo. It was like the yeah. first tour pro. He's got oh, it. Of course, he, <laughs> of course he's got it. You don't just walk into a room like that and not have it. Yeah, I know, but it's, it's funny. <laughs> okay, so there's different versions of it. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that that's... Yeah. So they're all, they're all, but they're all a little different. So was yeah, the one, really the rock cool. and roll over one, then one that's just the stage is just full of, of dry ice. And then, okay. That, okay. So that one is, yes. uh, let's see that one. It's the one right there. That one is the, basically that's the iconic one. That's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. So yeah, pretty cool. You know, yeah. but that's the magic of these tour Beautiful. programs, yeah. you know, They're, and that's yeah. why I do them. And just so people, 
Can I, I, I look at how cool this is? I don't know if you remember this, but this is an iron on that you could like they put oh, in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, got, got, so but fun hey, stuff. Look, you live out there. Is Canoga Park really a place? Yeah, of course. Okay, I didn't know. I always saw that in the mailing thing. I was like, does that actually exist or is it just some P.O. box and they just give it a cool name? Yeah, no, it's it's there. <laughs> it's there. Okay. Well, what, you're, so you're wearing a shirt. Uh, the band I want to talk about, L.A. Rats. You guys put out the Johnny the Johnny Cash song, I've Been Everywhere. Is there is there more on the horizon for you guys? Um, not that I know of, but, like, who knows? I mean, who knows if we – someone brings something to us we want to do it i'm always up for it i always got a guitar in my hand and ready to do anything it's funny because i'm wearing this just my cleanest dirty shirt you know and uh <laughs> but i'm always up for it i'm up for anything i just love picking and i love playing and that only took us a couple weeks to do you know we really got through that quick you know it's so funny how how fast that all came together can I ask you this, uh, switching to a different timeline, you know, a different point in your timeline here, you're 17, you go out to Los Angeles, you have a band, you know, mm-hmm. that probably at that period of time, everybody that you're meeting is also in a band. And at some point in time, the obvious happens. So we're all very familiar with like, I mean, for the most part, very familiar with John Five's like public uh, career. You're also writing songs though. I don't know if it started at that young or if it came along later for, for other artists as co-writers or, you know, in a producer role, what really brought you into that world? Um, Well, I think what it was, I can't even remember, but I remember I could always, I think someone asked me if I had any ideas and I always like could come up with riffs. And I always thought if I could come up with a riff and I could repeat it, over and over and over for a very long period of time and I don't get tired of it, then that's a good riff. It's like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, a good example, like Thunderkiss. You can hear that over and over and over again. And that's a great riff. And that's how I kind of look at it. If it, If I can play it over and over and over, then I'll present it to someone. And I always thought that when I was growing up and things like that, I just thought, Oh, I like that, you know, and sometimes people dig it. Sometimes they don't, but I've had really good luck with writing. And I think the reason I have good luck with writing as well is everybody I write with, I admire so, so much. I know what kind of songs they like to write uh, because I know their whole catalog. I know what key they like to write in. I know what kind of arrangements they like. And so when you bring, it's just like if I know you like pizza and I'll say, oh, well, let me make him some kind of a pizza kind of thing. So when you taste it, you'll be like, oh, I really like this, you know, and it's that kind of thing. It's a psychology 101. I I mean, when it really comes down to uh, the idea of what a riff is and presenting it and understanding the ownership of it, and then also being selfless as fuck, because I don't think there's a version of, like, if you wrote, if you, you know, Thunderkiss is a perfect example. If you were like, hey, Fifi Dobson, do you want this? Or, hey, uh, Rob Helford, or all the other folks that you've ever, you know, written with or for at some period of time, 
uh, I would, I would guess that you'd be like, fuck, you know, like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but at at the same time, like when you know what Fifi Dobson or Rob or shit, I mean, Katie Lang, things like that are looking for, uh, and you just, you're giving them a gift. It's so, it's fucking cool, man. To hear you say it like that. It's cool because like the strangest one was Skinnerd because I walked in there and I had like a big black fur coat on. I had no eyebrows and I had like <laughs> makeup on. I was a mess, you know, <laughs> two different colored shoes. And, and, uh, I walked in and they, they literally started laughing. They thought, you know, they were, someone was pulling a joke on them and, I sat down and I played some Chet Atkins and I played some Roy Clark and some, uh, that kind of picking, you know, Merle Travis. And they were like, Oh my God. And then I played all of their songs and we got along so great. I mean, they're the best people. And, you know, I ended up writing six songs on that record with them. And, you know, you just never know, you never know. And, you know, how you're going to vibe with people, but you know, it could be great. could be terrible, but I love Leonard Skinner so much. And I know every guitar lick and every song that they've ever done. And, uh, you know, it's just such a honor to be a part of that history. Is it when you walk into a situation like that, where they have this very storied, uh, past, as far as the guitar players, you know, past and present, um, and the same thing when we did stuff with Daily Roth. I mean, you're kind of dealing with like these kind of like these these past sometimes are against you. How do you go into that situation going, OK, I can't top maybe what they did, but I can certainly play at an equal level. Or or do you just kind of remove that from your mind and go in there and just act like you've never heard those things before? You've never heard Eddie Van Halen. You've never heard Steve. I. You never heard Alan Collins and all those guys. Well, I go into it like going, OK, I know these songs. And I can write something just like this. I'm not saying it's better or anything like that, but I can give them something that is in that vein. Like if it's an outtake from Diver Down or Women and Children First, you know, or something like that. And um, I'll do my best and see if they like it. And I've been very fortunate that they they have liked it. And I'm a part of this, you know, my hero's history now, you know, and it's just, it's just a weird world. And it's, I'm so thankful and I'm so lucky that, uh, what I do and what I've done. What's, what's that like, uh, when you kind of get to that situation where like, you know, you're, you know, a lot of times we always go through this situation. It's like, I cannot believe I'm here doing this. God, I fucking love these people growing up. But you're here, but at what point do you go, hey, it's, it's no longer about me being a fan. You're always going to be a fan. And then now you're friends. But now it's like, this is a professional setting. I'm working now working in a professional setting. How long does it take to get to that point where you say, I'm a pro now working with these folks? This is no longer about fandom or anything like that. Uh, that never happens. You know, it's always fandom. I'm like, <laughs> Jesus, you know? <laughs> right. Like, did, you know, is. Dave telling me to do this or do that, you know, this is rad, you know, it's, it's, it's so cool. Um, you know, that never goes away from me and, uh, I'm lucky it hasn't because I think there's something very special about that. 
And that little kid that comes out, I never get used to it. I never get like anything like that. I'm always very excited. Like Peter playing on my record, you know, he played on Georgia on my mind. And, you know, I've known Peter for 20 years and to have him playing on my record and we left the mics on and he's talking to Barry, our producer, and we left that part in. So you'll hear it on the record. I don't know if they sent you the record yet, but you're hearing, hearing him talk a little bit before he starts playing. We kept that on, but like it never goes away. And I'm so happy it never has gone away. Well, that's incredibly refreshing to hear from you, uh, considering all that you've done and all you've been involved in. So it's always nice to hear that. Like there are those people that do take this and, and we always want it to be as a fan. We always want it to be a wonderland. We always want it to be fantastical and go, God, are they stoked when they're up there? Are they happy playing? Because sometimes we, we see that they go through the motions. We all know it. We all know what the reality is. Some of it for some people, but to hear you taking this take of like, I'm just stoked to be up here every time doing this stuff. It, yeah. That's really, it's really refreshing to hear. So thank it's, you as a fan. Yes. And, and I am, I'm very happy to be up there all the time, every night, every night. I'm so thankful. And, uh, I even tell Rob, I'm like, look at us, look at, look at what we're doing. Like, this is insane. You know, this is awesome. These are the golden years. And I would always, I would always tell Rob before we walked out on stage and this was before COVID. I was like, look at how lucky we are, you know? <laughs> I my question that I was going to mention before we started, it, it, I guess is now is the right time if I'm going to ask it ever is uh, you have a lot of accolades, man. In those moments, uh, I can't even put myself in those shoes. And one in, in particular that I have to ask how it felt to be in those shoes is um, uh, salt and pepper. Yeah, uh, I, I, I read that you did a, like how many you did multiple shows live with them. Well, here's what I did, which is very it's the only time I really get nervous and it's live TV. So the Jay Leno show called me. I know I knew the musical director and I haven't done much at all at all. Actually at this time I was a session guy, but they knew that I was the session guy and they called and they said, Hey, we need a guitar player for salt and pepper. And they're going to do a medley of stuff like that. And I go, okay, you know, I'll do it. And God, there's everything is on YouTube. You could imagine everything except for that. <laughs> of course. And I'm wearing, <laughs> I'm wearing a Del Taco like work shirt. It's my buddy. Cause he worked at Del Taco and I put that on. I put some Dickie shorts on some long hair and I'm playing what a man all that stuff. I'm playing all these songs, just going crazy, scratching on the guitar, everything. I'm just going nuts. And it was so, it was so awesome. But if you guys ever see that video, you'll be like, you'll, you'll be holding your stomach laughing. Cause I'm literally going crazy. And I'm like, it's, it's really funny. Oh God, I'm going Reddit. Here I come after this. is. <laughs> I know Jay Leno, Jay Leno show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I read that and I'm like, Oh my God. That's like, for me, just, in, in, I can't like from all of the things that you've done and then you take and sidestep into that moment. 
especially because yeah. it's on TV. I can't right. I, like it just stands out. Like I, I had to ask, man. That was uh, yeah. <laughs> that's even cooler to know that you're a fan of talk Del Taco too. It's an exceptional yeah. Um, establishment. Yeah, I would love to see that again. I really, really would love to see that again. If I ever it, I'll send it your guys' way. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Hey, real quick, guys, I'm going to go to commercial break here and we'll be starting up the uh, live stream here pretty shortly. So let me just do this. So, hey, folks, at this time, we want to remind you that not only are you listening to the Kick-Ass podcast right now, but we also produce an amazing rock music themed cruise vacation, vacation called Ship Rocked. We'll be sailing uh, this January 2022 to Costa Maya, Cozumel on our 12th voyage. Make sure and join us into Metal Oblivion as we sail with the Lamb of God, I Prevail, Steel Panther, Ashes to New, and many, many, many more. Cabins are still available and on sale at shiprock.com. Get yours before they do sell out. And with that said, welcome everyone from Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us for our conversation here with John Five. Um, so we're going to get back in the middle of it. Remember, guys, this, this drops on the following Monday coming up here. Uh, make sure and check out the entire episode as John goes over his solo career and things he's got going on and basically how he got to where he is in his career. So uh, with that said, we'll, uh, we'll let Chad and John get back to it. Well, we were just discussing salt and Peppa, and I'd like to go through the, the mirage of all their awesome yeah. random things that I've, I've learned about you this week while uh, digging in a little deeper. Um, however, if I can just focus for a moment on what's currently happening, you have a record that's coming out or is pre-order right now. And it's coming out about a month from now. And this is what your ninth or 10th solo record. I, 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 don't, I don't even know. I don't know. I would expect you not to, because when I was looking at the timeline, <laughs> I was trying to put together like, okay, so 17 here and all this stuff. One of the things I was going to ask you is like, here you are doing your ninth solo record, but in between the other eight or nine uh, was like, so many pieces of recorded music. I don't think I know. Uh, I don't think, and on this show, I don't think we've ever had a, a guest that's ever been involved in that many compositions and recordings. How do you find the fucking time? I, you know, I, I, to be honest, I wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and I go to bed probably at like, I don't know, probably two. And in that whole time, I'm just always working and I love it. I'm just so fortunate and so happy to be doing what I'm doing. And I've, I've never worked a day in my life. It's like, it's, I don't see it as work. I just see it as enjoyment. And I really think, I know it, it sounds corny, but I really think it's the meaning of life is to do what you love. Cause you'll, you know, have such a happy life. And it's just been so proven to me that way. You mentioned you work, you're working constantly. Are you just, a lot of it is obviously people reach out to you and you are working on a project that you're, that you've kind of decided to work on, or does a lot of your work stem from the fact that like, I'm just going to work on riffs. And if I find one that I come across, go, you know what? I know who that'd be perfect for. Do you just at that point, just contact them and say, Hey, I was up at three o'clock this morning and working on this riff. I, I, I usually, you know, it's, it's if someone you know, get to hold of me. Like if, if six gets a hold of me or something like that and says, Hey, let's write something for this or that, you know, then I'll work on something like that. Um, so it just depends. Like if someone calls and says, Hey, let's work on something and, or Dave or Rod Stewart or something. And then I'll just play something like that. And, um, 
sometimes it comes easy. Sometimes it doesn't, but uh, it's fun. It's like a chameleon. I just thought about this. It was like in that phone ringing earlier too. It's just like, that's your bad call, man. I can't, like, I was going to say, well, what about the movies? What about these scores that you're doing? Like the speed yeah. too? They're like, oh, what's it? Somebody just like reading the top line and like, all right, go. And then you're just like, I guess this sounds real fast. Like, how does that work out in motion picture music, man? It's, it's, you know, you just concentrate and really hone in on stuff when I'm recording or playing or something like that. I don't hear anything else. I don't, I can't, you know, I don't hear anything else. Like if I'm playing my instrumental shows and it's like so crazy, it's not, there's no improv or anything. I've, I'm remembering all these notes that are in an hour, 20 minutes. And to remember all that stuff, I'm just so focused. And sometimes, you know, people are pounding on my feet, trying to get my attention or something like that. But I, it's rarely I will break that conversation, you know, uh, that con concentration. I'll just be so focused. And that's what I've done, like, even with recording, too. And um, it's kind of like a you can really learn how to do that. And it, it, there's an art to it. If you really focus on something, uh, you can block everything out it's 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 pretty incredible it's it's a cool thing to uh develop when you when you when you get a, a request like like you mentioned rod stewart and say hey i'm trying to work on something can you figure something out for me do you revert back to what he's doing now or do you kind of go i think i can write something in the vein of every picture tells a story that era do you kind of look at that or you just kind of go what do you need i'll come up with it they usually you know like artists will usually say give me something like like this or like that and I'll know exactly what they're talking about. And I'll, I'll know because they're at home and they're singing this or, or feeling this. And I'll go, okay, well, I'm going to write in that same key, in that same tempo. Because in their head, they, they have it. They can hear it in their head. And if something is catchy enough or, or hooky enough, they'll know it. And they'll hum it to themselves. And they'll go, yeah, this is exactly what I'm looking for. And I'm, I think that's why I've had such good luck because I'm not like, I've, I'm never, ever like, look at me ever. I'm there for that artist. I'm not there to say, Oh, look what I can do. I'm there to go. What do you think of this? Do you like this? So um, I think that's why I've had really good luck with writing with people. Cause I just listen to what they say. So when you're driving home from those sessions or whatever it may or may not be, and now it's you, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm picturing you alone in your car and you just are taking in that four hour, five hour, uh, right. Or whatever it was. And it is just you time and you can reflect. Are you thinking about the next foot footing that you need to have? Or are you thinking about the footing you just came from and kind of processing what you went through? Um, I'm always thinking of, what's coming next even when it's so funny you say that because even when i was at my friend's house and i'd be sleeping over i, I would be like what are we going to do tomorrow <laughs> you know i was always thinking of the next thing and whenever i was coming home from a tour i'd be like well what's when when are we what's the next 
thing, even if it was a month later or, or two months later, at least I knew that that was coming. And that's how I've always been. So yeah, that's, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. And it's such a great question because that's a state of mind where a lot of people are like, that was a lot of work. You know, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to put my feet up and watch my stories, you know, but I've always been that person that said, wow, that was a lot of work. I'm going to put my feet up and watch my stories, but let's see what's next on the calendar as well. And that will comfort me even more. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a cool place to be when one foot's somewhere and the other foot's Mm -hmm. moving forward. Like you're walking, you're literally in the, in the motion. Absolutely. Very cool. Hey, uh, John, when you first started playing, was there any guitarists that you wanted to emulate that kind of got you into all this? And then at what point did you kind of switch over and start learning the art of picking and all these other things that kind of now make up, well, uh, definitely some part of your style? I've always had epiphanies growing up. First, it was, you know, Roy Clark and Hee Haw. Then it was Jimi Hendrix. And then it was Kiss. And then it was Van Halen and it was Ingve, and it was like, and it just always went, always went like this, always went like this. But I think the one person I always wanted to be that I thought had, the, you know, was, Dave, you know, like, I want to play with Dave. I want to be Eddie Van Halen. I want to be married to Valerie Bertinelli. You know, I wanted to do all that stuff. When I was young, I was like, man, I wish I was Eddie Van Halen. You know, and and um, it, like I was 10 years old and listening to Women and Children First and, you know, all that stuff. My first album was the debut. It was Van Halen 1. I was eight years old and I was obsessed, you know. It, it's funny you mentioned Eddie because I think from what I, well, you always probably knew him, but from other sort of fans that kind of follow his career, he kind of had the same with you always walking around with a guitar in his hand, always wanting to work just a work guy wanted to put the songs in play. So uh, it's very understandable that you'd want to emulate someone who not only was this incredible player and flashy, but also constantly working, constantly working with others, writing for others, uh, coming up with new ideas and just exploring. So that, that makes a lot of sense for you. It, it, it's, I think it's like kind of a, a, comfort level as well you know you feel most comfortable with this this thing that you've held in your arms since you were a child it's kind of like a you know a whoopee that you're allowed to walk around with and look cool (laughs) your linus blanket (laughs) but yeah but but super cool (laughs) yeah but like you know it's like oh wow like it's like you can't like, you know, hold your blanket and stuff like that and walk around. They'll put you away, you know, but you can have this thing that you've had as a child, you know, as a yeah. child that you love. It's like a, and you can still have it today. And that's all right. Yeah. Hey, we had a question I, from one of the I'd like to ask a question. This is yeah, a question. This is from Karen uh, John. She wants to know if you could have a custom robot built, what job would you have it do? <laughs> Oh, I would, I would definitely have it clean the cat litter. (laughs) It's the worst job (laughs) ever. I have four asshole cats that love to pee and poo 
as much as possible. And I always clean this litter and it's just a nightmare. So if I had a robot, that's what I would definitely have it do. Uh, that's Those it. Sphinx, all Sphinx cats do all four of them? Yep. And they okay. all, for some reason, they all sleep on me. I don't know what it is. They stay away from my wife and they're really hot. I mean, they're like over a hundred degrees and there's no hair. So, and they're heavy. So they're all like down, like one sleeps on my head and it just goes all the way down to my feet and I can't move. And it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And every time I go to sleep and I'm like, I got to get sleep. I got to get sleep. And I'll lock them out. And there's this one cat, Telly. I named it after Telecaster. Will scratch at the door. And I don't know if, I don't know if something's wrong with Telly, but mm-hmm. the cat won't stop. It won't stop. It'll be like four in the morning. I'll be like, oh my God, this cat has been doing this for hours. It's very strange. So, um, yeah, yeah, four Sphinx cats. Now, I wonder uh, why you're getting up at five or eight or whatever going to bed yes. too. <laughs> to feed the uh, cats. Well, they're just trying to work you to over to, to you. They're working you over to you get out of the bed so they can take your spot. There you go. They just yeah. want your spot. You're in their spot. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. So, I, one thing I want to ask you is like, obviously, very technical player. You certainly have fun with what you're playing, but uh, live, let's, I just like to, like the things you do with Rob, you guys are a very active band on stage. It's a very athletic performance. Uh, how tough is that? How tough is it to maintain your composure as a player, yet be very entertaining at the same time while wearing it's, all kinds of different costumes? It, it's, you know, it's a dream come true for me because I love being a, in a theatrical band and uh it's so much fun like going oh wow here comes this huge robot or here comes these you know huge explosions or big production because that's what i loved growing up and it was like wow this is so cool this is so fun and you know it's just um it's like heaven you know like to, to to be around all this stuff and to see it and Cause watching it from the stage is so different from watching it, you know, from the crowd, because when you're watching it from the crowd, like a lot of my friends will come to the show and I'll put them on the side of the stage and on the side of the stage, you can't really see anything. And it sounds like crap, but like, but it's special for them to be on the side of the stage, you know? So I'm like, okay, but I really wish they would watch from the front of house, you know, where they could see everything. And my sister, just the last show we played, went and watched from the front of house and it was she was like oh my god it was like like i've never seen the show before it was like there's so many things that i had no idea was going on so yeah i love i love doing that stuff it's interesting that side of the stage thing right you're like you really you're kind of like all right (laughs) like you're not even getting the okay cool well whatever uh right Big golf, say, see you out there. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. That's right. Yeah. Hey, Chad, uh, do you want to go ahead and ask? uh, We we don't have to right now, but if you want to ask a walk the plank, or would you rather for for John? John, this is a thing we do walk the plank. We just ask you uh, just a couple of questions, and it usually doesn't really tie into music so much, but we just like to hear your honest, organic answer to the question. Absolutely. I'll start. my question to you is uh 
I can't imagine what the answer is going to be, but uh, when you're down, what is it that you tend to turn to, to find an emotional pick me up? Um, I love to obviously number one, play guitar. I, I just, it just makes me happy. It makes me, and I love to learn things. It really occupies my mind to really learn something difficult and try to, you know, work on it as much as I can. Um, when I play guitar so much, so much, I love to collect, I, I collect old kiss merchandise and it's, you know, there's, it's very therapeutic and I've, you know, something like that you can get, it makes you happy. It's the thrill of the hunt and it's therapeutic. And that's why people collect coins or thimbles or teacups or anything like that, because there's certain people have a collective soul and it is, you know, a therapeutic hobby. It really is. And it's exciting. And I don't, you know, I think that people having a hobby, um, if they collect stamps or anything like that, anything at all, it's, it's good to have because it's good for your mental health. Yeah. I want it's to ask you something you lay, real quick. It's interesting that the moments, the, the, the items that you mentioned were things that my grandfather like, and grandmother both collected stamps, coins, and, and thimbles. And uh, I had not thought about that collection process in those ways until just right now. That's all I wanted to say about that. And, and you know, think about your, obviously I don't know your grandparents, but think about, really think about what they went through when they were growing up, it was probably very difficult compared to what it is today. It was probably very, very difficult. And if they found like stamps or coins or things like that, it, it gave them a sense of joy. And, you know, that's why people collect things. It is, um, and that's why eBay exists. Yeah. eBay exists yeah. just because of things like that for nostalgia, you know? Made me smile. Yeah, Thanks, nostalgia definitely helps the soul for sure. Like you think we obviously, sometimes people collect things, maybe Kiss for you is sometimes it helps because those are wonderful parts of your life you just want to reconnect with. Sometimes we forget about those things in such a fast modern world um, that we used to tie ourselves to. One of the things I want to ask you about your collection real quick, is there anything you have that Gene doesn't have and he wants oh. from you? tons yeah really do you ever barter with him no i'd I'd never (laughs) sell anything you know oh i just say trade for trade i'll take the 78 pinball machine for that doll (laughs) yeah i have it's funny i'll I'll show you really quick i have his uh let's see if you can see this his uh outfit from 1974 wow that looks like the mike douglas wings that is those are the mike douglas wings Holy gosh, man. That's what he, that's Amazing. what he wore on Mike Douglas. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Mike Douglas. And, yeah. And he doesn't have those. There's only one. And that's, there's only one. That's when they first started. That was his very like, you know, 1974. Man. Oh man. Yeah, Does he want so. it? <laughs> <laughs> he just sends some people over. Yeah, I know. Right. I just got that moment. Just that back pocket. You know, 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like, you know, to be honest, you know, it's, it's a funny question, but I, I don't know. You know, it's, 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 it's weird when it's your own stuff and it means something, but it's not as important that like, I'll give stuff to my friends that they're so thankful for, you know, and they're so happy about, but it's, just like an old outfit that's smelling up my closet, but they're so excited when they get it, you know, and that makes yeah. me happy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Justin wanted to ask, he's another one, one of our viewers here. He wants to know this, is those theatrics that, uh, are the theatrics you involve yourself in, do they help inspire and bring life to your solo shows? I love the theatrics, you know, especially with my shows because my shows are smaller, but I had this idea of, you know, everybody has amps and stacks of amps and things like that. So I thought, well, why not put television, TVs, you know, because now we can have TVs that you can turn and the, the screen will, it's like a computer screen. Mm -hmm. So I put amp like the cabinet, I put the TV inside the cabinet. So it looks like they're cabinets, but they're really TVs. And like things like that, that are inventive and cool to see in a smaller venue and you know like big huge heads and things like that and that people can put on and dance around so i love doing that thing because you're not expecting weird things like that while i'm playing banjo it's just like a weird acid trip you know <laughs> yeah. right. and people love it just like yeah. just yeah. like you just like you laughing like that and when that <laughs> happens you're like wow this is a lot of fun and if i can make people have fun during the show that's uh, that's that's the best for me it reminds me when uh, when rush when, when getty would put up the uh, the rotisserie chicken uh things behind his that instead of his cabinets he's got those or he's got the coin operated like washer and dryer up there and right. stuff. it's just like fits yeah. to the band right it fits your sense of humor and everything like that my question to you is this and this is a real simple one and it's one that i think well it it, it befuddles a lot of people alive one or alive two Man, that's tough, too. That's really it's hard because the output on the live one is great, but that gatefold on live two is what basically sent us all to the moon and back. And I love the studio side too of a live two. Um, man, that is tough. I'm gonna say probably a live one because it just broke the band. It was such a massive thing. It just opened up the floodgates, you know. But a live yeah. too is so great, man. Yeah, that live though is so raw, and that's when they were kind of dangerous, dangerous yeah. band back then. Yeah, yeah. amazing, wonderful, amazing. Well, I'm glad you were a little torn on that. It gave me a little bit of pleasure watching that happen. <laughs> Absolutely, masochist. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, John, we've had you for about an hour, bud, and it's been a lot of fun. And thank we can't you. thank you enough for your time. Obviously, the new album, guys, Sinner, is the new solo album coming out uh, right before Halloween, so you guys can cue that up when the kids are trick-or-treating. So uh, that's October 29th. You can check out the new single and video for K-Pasta that's out right now featuring Mr. Dave Mustaine of Megadeth. Um, obviously, uh, you, as, as you guys going down the road, you're going to be doing some solo stuff. You're still going out with Rob. What do you guys got going on? 
Yeah, we're going to be doing a festival in November with Metallica, with Zombie in November. And then I think we're going to Belize to do a show. And uh, so, yeah, we we got a bunch of stuff coming up. So I'm very, very happy. How about you? Yeah, solo trick coming out? Are you waiting for 2022 on that? Yeah, no, a lot of solo shows, a lot, a lot of things going on. So you can just always, you know, check it out on Instagram or the website or anything like that. I'm very yeah. active on the Instagram, so it's a lot of fun. Speaking of guys, remember check out uh, John Five officially Instagram, and also check out his other Instagram page, Knights and Satan Service, which just kind of a <laughs> homage to all all things Kiss and his collections. It was a lot of fun, a lot of a lot of good people in there doing some interesting fun things. Anyway. John Five, thank you everyone who's watching us tonight. We really do appreciate it. And again, guys, you're watching uh, Making Ways of Ship Hop Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media family. We could not do this show without a few folks, and that includes our, uh, well, our show producer, Al McManus, our engineer, Jenna Rosito, our show coordinator, Heather uh, Smith, and of course, the captain, Al Koenig, um, and a co-host here, Chad. Oh, hello. Thanks, Chad. Yeah, thanks for thank having you. But John, thank, thank you. you. Best, best to you and your family. And again, thanks for this. is a great, great, a lot of fun. Remember, guys, check this out on Monday. Watch the whole thing on YouTube, or you can find it on Spotify and iTunes, and hear everything that John had to say. Thank you. All right. Have thanks, a good night, man. Thanks for Peace, being John. here, John. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.